How are you all this morning? Oh, you all sound good. I heard a vicious, vicious lie. They said, you know, this, this is the quieter service of the two. And I said, I bet, I bet you're a lie. I bet, I, bet, I bet the devil's a lie. Can y'all indulge me just for a couple more seconds? Go ahead, my friend, right there, right where you are. Can y'all indulge me just for a couple more seconds? And I just think we hit a vein that I want to make sure that we flesh out. So my time is there, I promise you. Don't freak out. We're good. Craig loves me. Come on, stand back to your feet right where you are just for a second. Everybody in the room, stand up right where you are. And you put your notes down, I promise. I'll finish where I need, where I'm going to finish on time. I'm going to get the message. But, but I promise you this. Here's the thing about preaching. There's nothing I'm going to say that the Lord's going to go, you know, boy, that was really good. I ain't never heard that. But there's something about your life and what you've been through this week and all your life that you'll sing through a song that he'll say, no, I ain't heard that before. And he'll meet you right there with his, this thing called his presence. Anybody need the presence of the Lord? Yeah. And the first miracle that you often experience is the one where he come and, comes and invades your space. You know, the crazy part, like when my first miracle that I can, probably I can think of, like one of the miracles I found is not when God found me in church, but when God found me in some of the most nasty positions in my life I could have been in. That's a miracle. Well, I didn't want my mother to find me. Well, I didn't want my dad to find me. But he had the nerve to come in those positions and have the nerve to talk to me about a future, have the nerve to tell me that he was going to pull me out, have the nerve to show me a better life in those times. Can you, anybody hear me? So here's what I want to say is this, that I can preach the message at the time that I'm giving, but I, what I'll do is this, if you promise that you'll just give me two more minutes and can we just touch heaven right here in this simple course of the song we sang earlier? put apart every distraction. Whatever you got, look, you already bought lunch. You did a great job. You bought the auction. You're going to get out on time, okay? So everything that's distracting you, let it go. And if you really like a laser ring, focus in on him right now. I promise he's going to change it. Something's going to change in us today like we didn't plan on. Come on, every voice. Oh, God, oh, God, I need you. Sing it out. Oh, God, oh, God, I need you. Oh, God, my God, I need you now. God, I need you now. Oh, oh rock. Oh, rock, oh, rock of ages. I'm standing on your faithfulness. On your faithfulness. Come on, you sound amazing. Oh, God, oh, God, I need you. Come on, right there. Oh, God, my God, I need you. How I need you. Come on, right there. Oh, God, my God, my thing. My God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Come on, say it out. 
Oh God, oh God, I need you. Oh God, oh God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock, oh rock of ages. I'm standing on your faithfulness. On your faithfulness. One more time, one more time. Oh, God. Oh, God, my God, I need you. Oh, God, oh, God, I need you now. God, I need you. Sing it out, my rock. Oh, God, my rock, my thing. Oh, right, my God, I need you. How I need you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, this morning. Thank you, Lord, this morning. We need you this morning. Father, hear the cries of your children this morning that say we need you, that our hearts are hungry for you, that we came this morning to be transformed by your word. The Lord, as we hear you this morning, we say our hearts are open. We say our minds are ready for you. That Lord, we didn't come to just be satisfied, Lord God, with more knowledge. We came to be transformed by your word. Our minds are ready. Our hearts are ready. We declare that we're fertile ground to receive what you would have for us today. We came to be transformed. We didn't just come to be changed. We came to be transformed by your word, and we're grateful for it today. Now, Lord, move amongst your people. Now, Lord God, sweep through the room. Now, Lord God, touch every heart. You know, every situation that's in the room. Lord, there were ones that said they need miracles, Lord God. That means that's something only you can do. So, God, do what you're famous for. Do only what you can do. Touch lives right now. Touch marriages right now. Touch relationships right now. Touch troubled minds right now. Touch the one that's right now that's saying if something doesn't change in this service, it's going to end when I walk out those doors. In Jesus' name, I speak life to you, that you will live and not die, that you have a purpose for your life, that you will live and not die. You have a purpose for your life. To that young person that's wondering, now what am I? What is going on in my life? To you, I'm saying the struggle is not the issue. The Lord is not afraid of your struggle, whoever you are, young person. Don't quit. Keep searching. Keep standing. The Lord is there for you and faithful. He's not afraid of your crisis. He's not afraid of a struggle. He's the overcoming God that will walk you through it and love you through everything you're dealing with. And I give you thanks for it today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you from this table that we're going to eat from today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be seated just right where you are this morning as we dive in today as we finish up this series. Thank you, Jason. I sure appreciate you, man. We are finishing up a series that you have been in in Luke chapter 14 uh, called Fed. 
And he's talking about the lessons that we learn at the table with Jesus. Anybody feel like that Jesus, like how you know a meal with Jesus is not the same as a regular meal? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's not just because he doesn't cook pasta. It's because a meal with Jesus, he's always teaching. What's unique about the book of Luke is Luke is a physician, which means he's a scientist. Any engineers in the room? Where are my engineering type and scientific type people in the room? Like those of you that, yeah, yeah. So they don't really like emotion. They don't really like that. Like just to stick to the facts. I don't like all the emotions of this stick to it. Luke is that very much that same way. And so he's very factual in his writing. And so he, that's where we find this. He's extremely, extremely detailed. What will happen and what we're going to read today is you cannot really get the understanding without understanding culture. Somebody say culture. And so Mississippi, how you know, like when I moved here from California, I went through something that was called culture shock. Okay. Uh, and it, it looked a little different. Uh, I knew I was having culture shock when a gentleman was working on a piece of land to build a home that we were going to live in, me and my team. And so uh, he pulled up in his truck. Uh, it was a Ford or a Chevy. I can't remember. It had one of those two big boxes in the back. And uh, he said, swing around the truck. Look at this. And so I came around the truck. And on the truck, all the way across the bed, is a giant rattlesnake. Look at that thing. I said, and I'm, I'm like, what in the world? You know, I'm looking at this. And uh, he said, man, he said, he said, I just killed that thing. He said, you know, he said, I tried to get it with, with, with uh, one of my tools. He said, I had to go in my car and get, pull out my rifle. <laughs> so, of course, being from California, I said, you carry a rifle in your truck? <laughs> and he looked at me and said, you don't have a truck or a rifle? Culture shock. Everybody still with me? (laughs) To understand this, you have to understand that Jesus was raised in a Middle Eastern culture. It is different from ours. It is very, very uh, village-centric. It is all about that. You have to understand that because it gives some some bearing on this. And why why we're bringing it up is not to impress you with knowledge that I have. It is because it will help you understand what you're really reading. So when we say stuff like, hey, how far is this to that distance? How far is, you know, Horn Lake from South Haven? You might say it's, it's 10 minutes as the crow flies, right? Okay, okay. When I first heard that when I moved here, I thought somebody was trying to say something about me being black. <laughs> I know you didn't call me no crow. <laughs> and no, they was just saying straight. Is that... Is that right? Was that good? Or were they saying something? Let me know now if they were saying something black. Okay. So you all are saying, well, so someone was writing a book. They may use that in there. Can you, can you see that? This is where we're at in Luke. You're going to hear some of this. There's some cultural vernacular that's in this. And I don't want you to like, get impressed. I want you to understand that it's, it's providing layers of understanding for us. Okay. This is a giant, giant chapter. And what has happened is, uh, what's traditional that happens is when there is a famous rabbi or teacher that is going to come into a village, the religious leaders bring them in and they invite them to a dinner. And what they do is they vet them. They bring them in. They're going to see what they're really about. And they're after two things. They want to see where they stand, where they stand politically, and where they stand theologically. We're going to make sure you're right. 
because that's what's important for religious leaders who are the guardians spiritually of a region. We want to make sure those two things first because that's what's most important. Are you conservative or are you liberal? Like, that's what's important. That's what, we're going to, that's, that's what the religious leaders got to look out for. That doesn't sound like anything like today, right? <laughs> right? We aren't fasting. We aren't doing none of that. We're going to make sure whether you, whether you support a mule or an elephant. That's what we're worried about. Oh, I came, I came right to your front door. I did. I came right. Look, look, look. Ain't nobody worried. Look, got my own keys, drove my own car. I'm going to get home. I ain't worried about you. I ain't worried about it one bit. Not one bit. They made me some new friends. See that big man right there? We friends. We're going to be friends. He's going to get me right to that car. I ain't worried about you. <laughs> okay. So they vet him, and they invite him to uh, the, the table. This is exactly what they would do. And Jesus has this thing when it comes to what he did was they taught theology in the temple. And that was where it was supposed to be taught in, in, in the temple. But Jesus had the nerve to take the teachings that were supposed to be in the temple and bring them out to the common people and teach it out on the streets. Jesus just couldn't do nothing right. I don't know if y'all knew that. He just didn't, he just couldn't do nothing right. So he would teach it there. And then when the elect, the Pharisees, would come at Jesus and, and, and come to the streets where he's teaching, and, and they would have to assert themselves to the people that they were more intelligent, they would try to challenge him. Jesus wouldn't even engage them. He would just tell them stories, parables. And he just... He, I mean, he would just, and the people would understand the stories, and so would the Pharisees, and he would teach that way. Are you following me just yet? Yeah. All right, so this is where we are in Luke. He has been invited by the, by the rulers, by the religious leaders of this town. They are trying to vet him politically and theologically. Uh, the people are coming to the banquet, and Jesus is disturbed right off the bat because all the people that are invited are taking the places of honor first at the table. Jesus is not happy with this, so he, of course, tells a parable, and he ends it with this. He ends it with this in, in, in verse 11 of chapter 14. He says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and for those who humble themselves, they'll be exalted. <laughs> Jesus just, just, just kind of talked trash from the beginning. <laughs> he just lets you know, just letting them know, I see what you're doing. Those who exalt yourself, watch out, it's coming your way. Can y'all hear me yet? You see it then we jump down to 15. This is where I really want to go and go today. So verse 15 then, a person then opens a statement, and they want to now kind of, he hasn't said what they want. They really need to figure out. We want to get to the chase. Anybody ever have one of them people kind of get to the chase? Ever have a family dinner, and they bring, like somebody brings a guest, one of the relatives brings a guest, and you don't know whether they're dating or not, and, and they haven't addressed it? This is my friend. Nobody knows, like, what kind of friend? And so everybody's kind of waiting. Y'all go to school together? Y'all got classes together? Live in the same building? Live in, oh, roommate. Same apartment. Same room? <laughs> same, oh, oh, it's only one bedroom place. How many beds in that one room? Right, nobody that, right? Until finally you get the, usually somebody really old, especially if you in a family look like this one. Somebody old going to ask the question, y'all messing around, y'all sleeping together, what y'all doing? 
Y'all shacking up? Y'all doing? I think you mess around with her. What you thinking? Better not end up pregnant and bring that child around here. I ain't keeping no more babies. They go, look, that's how it go in our family. <laughs> I just tell you, I've been black a long time. I'm this man. <laughs> we don't play. They just gonna say it. I ain't keeping no babies. You, you fool around, make them. You better keep them. All right. So this is where now they're going to ask the question. They're going to flesh it out about the two hot topics, the coming king and the Messiah. And verse 15 is where we pick it up. When one of those at the table uh, with him heard this, they said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. This is a very religious and haughty statement. Blessed is the one. And Jesus is supposed to respond almost kind of like back at them like, yes. Blessed are we that, that keep the commandments and, and are considered worthy of sitting at the Messiah's table so that when he comes, he will verify that we are the ones. How many know Jesus didn't do that? He tells another parable. Here's where we go. And so Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a banquet, a great banquet, and invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is ready. But they all, they, but they all alike began to make excuses. Now, what you have to understand is, remember, there's no freezer. No one's going and pulling out steaks because there's no freezer. Ain't no deer meat. Anybody grabbing out, right? Uh, when, when there's a feast, they've announced it days, maybe even a week in advance, weeks in advance. Everybody's invited. They, they find out how many are coming because that determines what size an animal you're even going to slaughter, that you've got to butcher it and prepare it. Those of you that, that hunt, I'm not one. Those of you that hunt understand it takes some time to prepare an animal. You got you to let, you know, blood's got to come out. That's what I understand. I'm not the one. You know, you, let, you can't just, just cook it and like cook it with blood and the meat, apparently. So you got to let that out. You got to prep it. And so how many know, like, so when they made this announcement that the meal is ready, that is a grand announcement. This is a village. It's a community-wide announcement. This is what has happened. And so now they begin to make excuses. And this is where now the cultural, uh, not lack of cultural understanding now begins to fail us and where we don't get what's happening. And so uh, he says, first one says, uh, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. It looks innocent enough except the Middle East contains a lot of desert land and very little agricultural land. To buy or sell is a long process that can stretch over months or even years. A farmer will know everything about a piece of agricultural land before they buy it. They've got to even know which way that it gets sun because if you buy a piece of land and it doesn't get the right sun in the right time of year, it will not produce. They will know everything about that land before they ever even make an offer. This excuse is absolutely a public insult to the host. And culturally, the people understand that. This is an absolute insult to the host. Let's keep going. Scripture goes on and says, another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. 
Every farmer knows that a yoke of oxen is worthless unless the animals pull together, but also they have to also tire at the same rate. A farmer will never even bid on a yoke of oxen until he has tested that they can pull together and that they tire together. He will not even bid on them. But look at this scripture. He says, I have already bought them, and now I'm going to try them out. It is another deliberate insult. Everybody knows what's happening. This is not, re this is not true. They are insulting him. They are absolutely going after the host. The third one, still another, says, I just got married, so I can't come. Look at our, in our language, like, well, good. He's taking care of his wife. No. Middle Eastern culture demands chivalry to your wife. You don't speak like this about your spouse. What is he really saying? This absolutely is an unspeakable offense. This person has basically said, I got my wife in the back room and I'm taking care of things. Don't expect me to even be there. And they've said this publicly to the entire village. People know what happens and what married people do in their bedrooms. But how many know there's a dignity that the marriage bed is sacred and holy? And you don't, you don't sit there and embarrass your spouse by these kinds of things. They have now done this, and now it has become clear. The actions of this third guest confirm that it is the intent of all of these guests to humiliate the host and prevent the banquet from even taking place. Jesus is telling this parable. What is happening here? So the servant came back and reported to his master, then the owner of the house became angry and ordered the servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, and the blind, and the lame. This is what the angry host does. The master has suffered an injustice that he did not deserve. He has been publicly humiliated. Remember, the Middle East is a no-shame culture. His personal honor has been publicly attacked to his whole community. He has every right to seek retaliation against these three. In fact, he should so that he reclaims his honor. Instead, he takes his anger and he turns it and he repurposes it into this crazy thing called grace. Anybody else know someone that is noble, that didn't do anything wrong, that is only given, never asked for anything returned, got insulted, and then got angry about being insulted, and when they had every right to wipe those that insulted them off the face of the earth, instead responded with grace. Maybe it sounded like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not have to perish, but have 
everlasting life. Come on, can somebody see this this morning? That somebody else took anger and instead of responding in anger, turned it into grace. I got news for you. God did not send Jesus because he was angry at sin. God sent Jesus because he was in love with you. Somebody, that's good news today. That's good news today. I know you thought God so mad. That's why you walking around trying to dodge lightning bolts from God. God's not, look, God's not trying to pick you off. He's trying to pull you in. He loves you. He responded out of love to you, not because he's angry at you. He loves you. He doesn't like your actions, but his love over supersedes all that. Stay with me. Stay with me. And so culturally, the diners at this uh, at, this, at this dinner would have uh, known, they would have understood that Jesus is directly talking about and referring to the outcasts of Israel, the people of the land who gladly received Jesus, teaching them outside of the temple. Jesus now is serving public notice that the outcasts are now welcome to the table even though they are not worthy and even though they can never repay. Is there anybody else in this room who is not worthy of salvation and cannot repay that debt, but you still got an invitation to the table. I know I'm grateful. I'm not worthy. I can never pay him back, but I'm keeping my invitation. I'm so glad I didn't have to qualify for this one. They won't sell me a car without qualifying. They won't sell me a house without qualifying, but I'm so glad that Jesus, I got a different kind of report. I qualify. I got an invitation, and I'm not giving it back, and you shouldn't either. Scripture goes on to say, sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there's still room. The master told this servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so, they will, so that my house will be full. So clearly, there's been a time lapse here, and the master orders the servant to go out beyond the village now. This, this community that is tight, go out beyond them, go into the highways and the hedges. And he said, compel them to come in. Literally, the master is commanding them that if they are any ways hesitant to come because they don't believe, grab them by the wrist and bring them in. It is similar to the language used that the angels did when they pulled out Lot and his wife out of Sodom and Gomorrah. They grabbed them and said, the time for your deliverance is now, and they pulled them out to safety. Now, Jesus is saying, you go out and you're going to grab them by the wrist and pull them in to safety. This kind of language is what he is using here. Because why? This is the point that's in your notes, that the first exposure to grace always seems unbelievable. I can't believe you're going to invite an outsider to your table. Jesus, you're going to invite me? Do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? It seems unbelievable. Your first exposure to grace always seems unbelievable. Jesus is intentionally now using this third round, the highways and the byways, to symbolize the 
the Gentiles, who in Jesus' lifetime were not reached with the gospel. They had not been reached yet. And in fact, in this parable, they had not even been reached yet. And given in the story, they, it ends before they're ever even reached, before that last command is actually carried out. So come to the last verse, verse 24. Here's where we're ending today, at least in the scripture. It says, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now, throughout the parable, the master has been talking, and it's been a singular tone, right? But this part changes. It's really weird. I tell you that you, that word in Greek, that you is actually plural. What happens here is Jesus switches in the middle of the parable. He actually goes from it being about the master talking to actually Jesus himself begins to talk, and he begins to talk to the people at the table. And so here's how it really reads. Jesus himself now is saying this. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Those that are too busy to come in my timing will ever taste my banquet. Too busy buying stuff. Too busy to come and sit without casts. Too busy to sit with foreigners. You won't even taste my banquet. What is he saying here? For Jesus, the Messiah, he's saying the great banquet that I'm telling you about has already started because the Messiah is on the scene. He's addressing the religious leaders directly. He's telling them, you are welcome to attend, but if you don't, he said, hear me. You will not stop the plan of God. It will continue without you. It will continue with the outcasts. It will continue with those that are far in the highways and the byways, the Gentiles. But it will continue. Thy kingdom will come. Thy will be done. Jesus tells them. He says, you don't think they belong, but he tells them you are wrong. All right, today then. Four things I want to leave you with that Jesus feels about the meal table. The first one is, in the heart of Jesus, the meal table is a place for community creation. The meal table is a place for community creation, where we create genuine community. It's not just about a meal. It's where we create community. We share stories. We hear stories. We we create genuine community. We care about one another. And I want to tell you that Agape, we, we have a church. We are a multi-ethnic church. But here's the, the standard. It's not the standard that we can just be different colored faces all in one room. That, that doesn't make you a church because that happens at football games. What makes it a church is we have to genuinely care about one another. Yeah, because if not, then we're just another, we're just fans. And we're supposed to be disciples. So we have to genuinely care about one another. And when the Lord put the vision of agape in my heart, he said this, James, people don't need me to tolerate one another. People need me to actually love one another. 
And so we're going to have to look and we're going to have to genuinely care for one another. I'm telling you, it's on the final exam. When we stand before the Lord, you can bring all the black friends, all the white friends with you. Look, Lord, I got a black roommate. I got a white roommate. And the Lord will look at your heart and say, but there's no love there for them. So like that doesn't count. Now, how, how are you going to talk? Like, they're your friend, like they're your roommate, but you won't let them marry your daughter. How that going to work? Oh, I, I told you, front door, I'm knocking. I came to your ring camera. I came right to your ring camera. That's me, right there, <laughs> delivering a package. And it ain't from Amazon. It's from the one that rules the Amazon that came in and said, he came to check your heart and say, where are you really at on this thing? What happens when it comes to our door? Is he really king or is he just convenient? It's a table. It's a table. And he came to sit at the head of it. And he's inviting who he wants. And we all got choices. He's going to build his church and his community. You can choose to be a part or you can choose not to, but it's going to happen with or without you. His second way, the heart of Jesus at the meal table is a place for heart transformation. Here's a, just lead right into it. And if you got an issue, I'm encouraging you. Pray what David prayed, creating me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew the right spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence, and don't take your spirit from me. These are the prayers, these are life-changing prayers that we have to come back to, that when we realize that there's a flaw in us, don't run from it, run to it, run to the Father, Run to the throne and ask him to, to fix it. Can you hear me? Like we don't run from God and try and fix it ourselves. We run to him, flawed and all, and say, Father, fix it. I cannot do this on my own. But I'm saying I need a heart transplant. I need surgery, Lord. I need you to fix this in me so that I look more like you today than I did yesterday. heart transformation. I don't want to be just changed. I want to be transformed. See, a caterpillar doesn't just get changed. A caterpillar is transformed. That butterfly can never go back to being a caterpillar. You have, by the word, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, meaning you can go back. I don't want to be changed. I want to be transformed. I want to be put in a position by God that I can not go back. Anybody hearing me yet? I don't want to go back. Third one then, the heart of Jesus at the meal tables a place with an open invitation. Yet to the ones we don't like even, he will give you a heart for. To the ones you don't really care for, he's going to give you a heart for them. To the ones you don't really want to go reach, he's going to give you a heart for. To the hard jobs and the hard cases, he's going to give you a chance. He's going to, I promise you, he's going to bring it right to your front door. I promise you this, either you're going to go meet Goliath out on the field or Goliath will come right into your village. But the stones are in your hands. You got victory right in your hands. You're going to defeat him out on the field or you're going to have to wait till he comes to your village. But I promise you, victory is in your hands. I'm encouraging you. I'm encouraging you. Go meet him out on the field. It's an open invitation. Go and win. Here's the last one. It's a place for table fellowship, and this is where I want to end today. Pastor James, what's table fellowship? In the Middle East, table fellowship, meals were a place of great significance. And when you eat a meal with someone, it's sacramental. It communicates acceptance and gives a blessing. 
and the host would give a blessing, and it went something like this. You have honored us by coming to our home today. You're no longer a stranger, but family. Okay, y'all cannot click while I'm ending like this. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't click. You cannot click. You can't do it. You can't do it. I love you, but you can't click on me. You can't do it. Somebody go, I don't care. He ain't going to tell me. That's America. I'm going to do what I want. Okay, there you go. Fine. Free country, you can still click. But I'm asking. Don't click. Okay, I'm asking. Okay, there you go. The click anyhow. <laughs> All right. I know those Alabama fans that do that. Okay, okay. I'm okay, I'm asking. All right. Table Fellowship says this You've honored us by coming to our home today. You're no longer a stranger but family. Whatever we have is yours. We'll protect and serve you as long as the energy from this food is in our bodies. We are family forever. Table fellowship. How cool is that? Cool is that? This is what happens when you come to Jesus' table. Right where you are today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, right where you are today. If you're here today, and maybe you've not made a decision to surrender your life to Jesus, or You've been far from God. You hate church. Maybe you came today because maybe you lost a bet. <laughs> maybe you came because you're, you're dating somebody, and so you know, like, if you're going to continue dating them, you had to come. Whatever reason got you here, you heard the food was good. Whatever well, heard this, we're going to be a really good-looking black guy preaching, so you came today. <laughs> what you thought was Craig, but it's actually me. We're twins. I know. I know. Whatever the case is today, you came. Today, I want you to hear something, that Jesus has a table fellowship blessing for you, and it goes like this. You have honored me by coming to my house today. You're no longer stranger, but family. Whatever I have is yours. I'll protect you and I'll serve you for as long as the energy from this food is in my body. And by the way, that food, which is the will, to do the will of my Father, that food is eternal. We are going to be family forever. And if you're here today and you need to surrender your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you. Don't leave here the same way. Don't leave here as an orphan. Come on home. Receive the table blessing and say yes to Jesus today. Don't dodge him because you think he's mad. Come on home because you know you're welcome. I came today to grab you by the wrist and say, come on. You can believe it. You're welcome in this place. If you've been far from God and you've been messing up maybe all week, maybe you messed up last night, maybe you woke up next to the mess up this morning, you are still welcome. Don't wait one more second right where you are. If that's you today, we'd love the opportunity to pray with you to have, help you make that the greatest decision that there is. If that's you today, right where you are, Everybody else, please, right where you are, nobody move. Heads out, eyes closed, right where you are. Would you lift your hand and say, Pastor James, it's me. I'm coming home. I'm choosing that table. Oh, my goodness, I see you. Anybody else? Yeah, I see you. I see you. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Yes, 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 yes. I see you. I see you. 
I see you. Oh, my goodness. So cool. Yeah, yeah. Listen, those who lift your hands, come on, pray with me. Church family, I need those of you that did not lift your hands, I need you to pray with me as well so they hear the support, right? They're making an individual decision, but they're joining the family, so they need to hear their family backing them up, okay? Are we ready? Let's pray together. Those of you lift your hands, repeat after me. Those of you are supporting them, let them hear you. Ready? Father God, I've sinned. That means I've made a mistake. I'm asking for your forgiveness. You said in your word, if I surrender my life to Jesus, and believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead, I will be saved. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Father God, I choose to believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. And right now, I'm your child, and I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. My, 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 my. If you raise your hand for prayer this morning, there's people down front that would love to pray with you. They also have a free book called Fresh Start. And what that is is it's going to give you some great next steps in your spiritual formation. But that's free. You just got to come down here and get it. And then if anybody needs prayer for anything, they are down here for you. Stand with me, if you will. Next week, um, I start a series called Brick by Brick, and here, here's what it is. And I'm just going to tell you, I didn't tell first service, I'm going to tell you. Um, you might want to bring somebody with you. We're going to talk about the spiritual warfare that goes on in our minds and the thoughts that are there um, and give us some help. Anybody ever wonder why they have random thoughts popping in their head that don't belong there? Anybody struggle with those? Anybody? Anybody? We're going to we're going to unpack that next week. I've had two weeks off, so I've just been doing a little bit of study, a little bit of, little bit of prepping, a little prepping. I'm going to get the James anointing for next week, and we make it happen. All right, are you guys ready to pray the benediction? We will get out of here. All right, let's do Let's make this a genuine prayer over our lives because that's what it is. This is what I feel like the Lord spoke to us at the beginning of the year. This is for you. Let's pray. Now may God, the fountain of hope, continually fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his super abundance until you radiate with hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Go get them, boys and girls.